0: Tell me, Mr. Anderson, why did you do it? My fingers were tapping on the table. A neat little trick in this echoing room to annoy the person in front of me. Codename, Mr. Anderson. The arsonist, the lover of fire. Charged with over 52 cases of arson, burning down homes, museums, and other notable places. The houses, they had a pattern. The most intricate of places, owned by the most prolific of artists. The museums? They housed their creations. It was set. Mr. Anderson targeted painters. But why? There was no response from him. We are gonna keep going at this until you make a bloody sound. I know you're targeting all the painters, all the big makers. Why did you do it? Jealousy? Hate? Anger? He kept staring back at me, blank eyes deep and black. Did you want their money? Or was it revenge? Those eyes, they carried the abyss with them. Did your girl run away with some painter? Happens all the time, doesn't it? Whether he carried pain or rage, something seemed off. There was a certain sorrow on his face. He looked as if he was bleeding inside. There's something going on with this man. Something beyond my own ability. But maybe... Just maybe, I can help. And it's a counselor's job to help them be the best version of themselves. I'd do anything to get to this man. Episode 13, Burning Paintings. Welcome to the Tempered Fables. My name is N.T. Clover. Come, sit by the fire. Let me tell you a story. Here's yours, kid. We were behind the glass, staring at our perp. Well, their perp. I'm just here to help them out. Thanks, it'll help with the winter- He handed me cold coffee. We don't take cold coffee in the house. Um, this is cold. Machines broken. There was steam coming off of his cup. He looked at me, dead in the eye. I wanted to do a right hook to his face with the thought of that. My hand still aches. Alistair's jaw took too long to break. When was that, three years ago? Coach could have believed in my healing. Lucky guy. Three-time world champion, kicking it behind cars and piles of cash, and I'm just here chatting up criminals. Everything spiraled after that last punch, huh? Mr. Anderson isn't doing anything. He's still staring at us behind the glass. It's like he knows where we're standing. (sighs) What am I even doing here? How did I even get here in the first place? From boxing to counseling a soon-to-be-condemned man in an interrogation room? I mean, it was obvious, right? Fingerprints and everything? I I don't know. I'm not a cop. Or a detective. Detectives do that kind of work, right? Making criminal puns, taking her glasses off, and saying, This guy's the culprit. You're talking to yourself again. Oh. Right. Thanks. As if right on cue, someone came in through the door. The detective. Just like in the shows I watched. He's a bit older, hair graying, slicked back, and a brown trench coat. Just like those comic books from years ago. Captain? Mark? Detective. He was holding a large wooden chest with a large lock on it. He placed it on the table and inspected the culprit from behind a glass. Did you get anything out of him? He still won't say a thing." The captain handed him a new cup of coffee. There was steam floating off the top. I looked at the captain. The captain didn't say a word. So, what's in the box? He had it in the secret compartment behind the cupboard in his house. We haven't opened it yet. It could be dangerous. He was scratching his beard and thought, If it could be dangerous, then why the hell did you bring it here? I'm not dealing with no weapon or bomb. No traces of dangerous chemicals detected couldn't be a weapon. Then what made you say dangerous? It's dangerous for him, you mean. Can I open this? Mr. Anderson's eyes widened. There was something important inside here, and he doesn't want me to see it. Still, he didn't say anything. Alright. I took out a pocket knife and tried to pick the lock of it. Dad's old trick. No avail. Seems like the lock's very—wait a minute, what's that? I could barely make out a small silver chain hanging from his neck. His white cotton shirt had covered it before. He must have unbuttoned it slightly because of the heat of this room. But this chain, there's something peculiar about this. We've been tracking this man for years now, and throughout then, there had been no trace of intricate jewelry. Nothing luxurious, nothing too expensive. Precious box and a silver shining chain. Hmm. Mr. Anderson clenched his chest with his right hand. Guys, get in here. On that sound, the three men froze in their struggle. The captain and the detective had to hold Anderson down while I grabbed it from him. It took a while, but I could open it now. But the man looked strange. All the color drained from his face and he was as pale as the ceiling lights. He was staring at the unlocked chest, and nothing could take his eyes away from that. Go ahead, kid. Open it. Hmm, right. It was... Paintbrushes. paints, Charcoal pieces? A palette? This guy's a painter? The blood went back up to his face again. He had gone from seeing a ghost to seeing red, an uncontrollable shaking, some kind of hidden rage, and a twitch of the eye glaring at the paintbrushes on the table. He looked like he was hunting prey. I think we've touched on something here. Captain, Detective, could you leave us two alone, please? You you sure? It could be dangerous. I'll be fine. I think someone's got some explaining to do. They left to stand behind the glass, leaving me and the arsonist alone in the room, watching. I inspected one of the paintbrushes. It had initials written on the handle. T.A. I guess it's him. T. Your first name starts with a T. He nodded. My first response. Now we're getting somewhere. What is it? Tony? Toby? Terrence? Tanya? Tess? Thurman? Todd? a small, gruffy voice came up. <clears throat> Theo. It's Theo. My name's not Anderson. It's Anders. Theo Anders. Waving the paintbrush in front of him, I felt a surge of energy from making actual progress. Ah, oh, so it's jealousy, isn't it? Little Theo couldn't get big on his art, so he burns others. He looked at the waving paintbrush, silent, looking from left to right and back again. I can't say. Now he's staring at me. What? What do you mean? I can't say. The bloody hell do you mean you can't say? I heard you. Just say it. The tides turned. I'm the one with blood rushing to my face now. He shook his head. But their homes, the museums, you burnt them. Killed all of them. I only maimed them. No one died. It's true. There wasn't a single death. True, there were injuries, but those were mostly burns to the limbs. Severe, but not too life-threatening. Maiming them. Taking away their ability to paint. What kind of sick-minded person are you? They don't mind. You can paint in hell, after all. This guy's unbelievable. Why would he... Trust him. the hell was that? Let him show you. I'm scratching my head even more now. First there's arsonists and controlled burning. And now there's voices in my head. I think I need to retire. Let him create. Let him create? This is a guy who can burn people without remorse. He burns them. He robs them of joy. And he's here telling me there's nothing wrong with it. What can you create from all of this? Wait. He can't say. He can't. So, let him show me. I stared at the paintbrushes. It's all you need to make something, except for one thing. I hurried back out the interrogation door. Captain, get me a canvas and stand, and make sure it can't burn. It's been a while. He hasn't done anything. The paintbrushes were still on the table, and the canvas is still empty. It's staring back at him. He paid no heed to the double-sided glass now. The captain and detective had left for the night, leaving me to be in charge. Theo Anders. What's going on in your head? I sip my cold coffee in silence. I know it sounds crazy, but that voice just gets me. Alistair Strait must be getting to me now after all these years. He's put voices in my head. But really, what if he paints? What will he make? What can criminals create when they live in a world who could shun one's actions, denies them hope, and prevents their salvation? Oh, he's starting. Nope, 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 he's throwing it across the room. It's been a while. His breakdown started two hours ago. Theo, he's gone from talking to the glass right at me to himself again. Those paintbrushes must have done a number on him. Both a straight and a right hook. There must be a story behind that box. Why did he put it away? He's a painter, right? Or was it his parents? No, no, no. His initials were written on the handle. But he could be juking me. This could be fake. He might be faking a breakdown. Yeah, that might be it. But the things he's saying. An artistic suicide. Gotta write all this down. Alright, day two. He's been laughing and crying and smiling for a while now. Things nearly turned violent when he started punching and kicking the table too. Still, I didn't want to interrupt. This could be another form of pent up frustration that he has either way those paintbrushes were what triggered it the things in the box, they did belong to his parents he etched a new name on them Theo Anders to forget his old identity it could be a coping mechanism or something dad used to tell me stories of his patients having similar breakdowns and finding something to do so they could cope but the parents, Theo's parents they're gone now Artistic suicide was some sort of pact they made. I'll see you in hell, the both of you. I'll see you in hell. And they ended their lives leaving the young boy alone. Of course, you couldn't understand it at that age. It was an artistic choice. They painted and traded their lives in return. Family was their sacrifice. The boy couldn't understand. And now Theo could only see the world in that way. This is messed up. Day 3 He was in tears when he picked it up. I was taking a splinter off my thumb when he did it. I let the blood flow while I stared in disbelief. Theo was mixing paints. He was crying throughout while staring at the canvas. His movements were erratic, violently mixing the paints, making a variety and radiating the canvas, and he started. It was wild, powerful flicks of red and yellow, blue and green, purple and black. It was fire, blood, and the sea. The painting gradually built up. The red and yellow surrounded a man like flames surrounding a victim. There was blood around him. The blue and green drowned a woman as she held hands with that man. She was smiling, with tears coming down her face. The purple and black was small and human, a boy with the eyes of an abyss. It was the same abyss I witnessed three days ago. The boy was staring at them, distanced, reaching out, but to no avail. Fire and blood, the father, oceans, the sea, the mother. Artistic suicide. He broke down to his knees. I think it's time. Theo? There was no response. Rather than ignorance, it was exhaustion. I brought in food and water. I left it on the table. I called his name out again. Still nothing. You can't say, can't you? He shook his head. I don't know what compelled me to do this, but I picked up a paintbrush. Don't worry, me too. He looked up at me. Looking around in the box, I found the one color missing. I won't say, but I'll offer. I dipped the brush in white paint and gave the dripping brush to Theo. After a while, he stood up, shuffled to the canvas, and wrote in white above the boy. Help me. My thumb was still cut. There was a bit of blood leaking. I thought it would fit. This man was the son of painters. He had an eye for art, and he needed help. Maybe I could help him out, too. I placed my blooded thumb next to the words. I think he'll understand. It's a blood promise. Theo cried again. He broke down, and for comfort I hugged him and patted him on the back. The captain and detective came into the room thinking there was something wrong, but I reassured him with my hand. It's okay, I mouthed. It's okay. And somewhere out there, the voice came back again. It was like an itch in the back of my head, telling me something's coming. Thank you. Theo Anders was released under controlled conditions. I was there to check on him often, getting him back up to shape. Both physically and mentally, of course. The body and mind are connected, after all. But one of his conditions was to start a new path. The path of a painter. To cope. To perform. To create. To move on. It was his own artistic choice that motivates him. And I'm there to witness it. His paintings are... Unusual, but fascinating. More people should see his arts. Well, what do I think? (laughs) Well, we know Theo will survive through his ordeals. For he had painted the flames and oceans of his life, and the green will come thereafter. That is the end of the tale. Until next time friend, I'll be waiting by the fire. Hey guys, Norman here. I hope you enjoyed episode 13, Burning Paintings. (laughs) So inspiration, probably the largest inspiration for this was the book Killing Commendatore by Murakami Haruki now Murakami is a very famous Japanese literature or Japanese author rather and he recently released an English translation of his latest book killing Commendatore where the main character is an artist or a painter and as he takes the time to uh, disconnect himself from society after a few bad events, he paints and creates art to find himself again, and stuff like that happens. I finished a book and I was really inspired by it to figure out the psyche behind painters or artists or creatives in general. So that's one of the sources of inspiration for this. The other one is uh, Brooklyn Nine-Nine, which is the uh, a pretty comedic, funny... Police show starring Andy Samberg, I think, if I'm getting the name right. Yeah. And the reason why I'd like to point out the show was that they tend to have a lot of scenes in the interrogation room. So I built the scene for this story based on that room. So if you could just imagine these uh, characters to be in that room in that show, then I guess that's one way to visualize it. <laughs> Another one is my favorite movie of all time, Equilibrium, the 2003 dystopian science fiction movie starring Christian Bale. And it talks about emotion and feeling and how looking at art provokes and the sense of emotion and that's wrong in that society. So that message got to me. So I wanted to build a story about redemption and about emotion as well through a painter. I have no clue why he started off as a criminal. Maybe it's because I watched or binge watched Blockly 99 too much. (laughs) Still need to watch the latest episodes, but that's a side thing. And yeah, that's how Burning Paintings came up. Killing Comendatore may inspire multiple episodes because I really, really liked the premise of a painter being a character in a story. It's been getting to me. I'm a huge fan of Haruki so that's probably a big part of it. <laughs> anyway, that's enough for now. Take care and I will see you by the fire in the next episode. Bye. If you'd like to keep up to date on the latest information, do check out temperedfables.com. Alternatively, you can also check out our social media, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Episodes are released every Monday and Friday. This podcast is hosted, created, and narrated by Norman T. Cella. During the day, he's a freelance writer and speaker. And during the night, he makes stories. He also does voice acting for commercials, audiobooks, and other real-world things. For more information, do check out normanchella.com. Sound effects are obtained from zapsplat.com. Hey there, just letting you know that some songs are used under the Creative Commons license and are obtained from Kevin McLeod of incompetech.com. On the ground, hard-boiled, bass walker. And that's it. Check it out at incompetech.com. Thanks, Kevin.